Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. Uh, it's such a fun picture of a family and a father. You know, if you look at statistics in the world, they kind of say that fatherhood's in trouble. But when I look at this church, I see many, many excellent fathers. You know, men of integrity, men of hard work, men of honor, spiritual leaders, uh, providers, just people that are just loving their children so well. So if you're a father here this morning, will you just stand up? We just want to honor you by just going crazy and clapping for you. We have a little gift for you as well. Stay standing, stay standing. We have a little gift for you. You guys can keep clapping. You know, uh, yeah. I think it's no accident that in church history, there's actually been several revivals. Stay, stay standing. We're going to pray for you. Stay standing. That have happened on Father's Day. And I think it's just because there's power that comes into our life when we honor our fathers. And so if you're next to one of these dads, just put a hand on their shoulder. We're going to bless them and pray for them. Father, we do thank you, Lord, just for the excellent fathers you've given us here at All People's Church. Just looking at different ones around the room. Wow, what an amazing group of men of God. Lord, we pray that you would work in their lives in this season in a powerful way, Lord. That you'd prosper them at work, Lord. That you would work in their lives and give them great wisdom for their family. We pray this be a great season of going deep in you. We ask for other men to come beside them and encourage them in their walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, one other person who does not know, I'm about to recognize them, has just come back from a long stint in the nations. David Sanders is in the back. We see you back there, David. Stand up, buddy. Yes. Serving God in Thailand, Moldova. He's been in a few other countries as well. He's an international man of mystery. But anyway, David, we're so thankful for you and all that you've done for the kingdom. I want to start with a, with a story this morning. Uh, recently, I, I, I was invited to a friend's birthday party. I got a text message. Hey, we're going to be having this party, and we're going to be going out on a boat. And I thought, oh, this will be great. And uh, it was Saturday morning, so I thought I'd bring one of my children with me. And uh, I was expecting, you know, maybe a little motorboat, kind of go in the waves a little bit, kind of check things out. And I was really, really surprised when we showed up at this birthday party to a 40-foot double-decker, like, ship. This thing was amazing, you know? And uh, we, we, I kind of am kind of checking myself as we drive up, like, okay, this is a different kind of boat than the boat I was thinking we were going to be on. And so I have my five-year-old with me. I'm a dad, too, by the way. I have three kids, uh, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. Oh, about to be one-year-old baby girl, two other boys, I also have a dog named Pepper and a cat named Chicken. But anyway, back to my boat story. Um, so we, we were on the boat. We got on. We met Captain Johnny. Okay, it was Captain Johnny's boat. And Captain Johnny gave us our life jackets. He, he gave us the rules, kind of the procedures of the boat. And, you know, we were kind of tracking with everything. And one thing you have to know about my family is we are not like boat people. We don't have a boat. I'm not like yachting on the weekends or something like that. That's not our typical world. But uh, my, I think my son had been on a boat one other time, and he had just screamed the entire time. It did not go well. So anyway, uh, I don't know where this came from, but he immediately gets this confidence when he starts talking with Captain Johnny. And he walks up to Captain Johnny, and he says, Captain Johnny, uh, when am I going to get to drive the boat? 
Notice he didn't ask if he could drive the boat, right? It was when am I going to get to drive the boat? No one else was going to get to drive the boat, but of course it was going to be his opportunity to drive the boat. And so, you know, we kind of got out to calmer waters and we were kind of hanging around and then Captain Johnny kind of eventually turned over the whatever it's called. I almost said the reins, but that's how you... That's how you ride a horse. I'm from Texas. So um, whatever it's called on the boat. And uh, the first great news is my son did not sink the ship. So we made it out alive. I think I have a picture, actually. Hey, there you go. What a cute kid. All right. So there's Captain Johnny there as well. So we were, we were driving. We were sailing the boat. And it was a wonderful time. And the, the thing that really stuck with me after this experience was like, where did he get this idea, you know, that he was going to get to sail the ship? Where did he get this idea that he was going to get to drive and kind of, kind of be in charge? And I started thinking a lot about the confidence my son had. I said, you know what? If I hadn't been with him, he wouldn't have gotten that opportunity if he hadn't been with me. He, he got to go on this great adventure, and he got to do this great thing because of who his father was. And, you know, scripturally, we have received a blessing from our Heavenly Father. And we get great opportunities, and we have a great inheritance in our life because of what our Father God has done for us. And the Bible calls this sonship. The Bible calls this truth that we have been given an inheritance, we've been given a promise that God is on our side, and we live and operate and walk in God's favor. The Bible calls this trust sonship. And we're going to look today at Romans chapter 8 as we look at sonship. And as we do that, um, there's just a few things I want to point out. Romans 8, we're kind of jumping into the middle of a conversation, okay? So the book of Romans was written to, to the church in Rome by Paul. And in chapter 6 and 7, Paul spends a lot of time talking about sin. And he says in Romans 6.23, a famous verse, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Every person has a choice to make, death or life. Will they follow Jesus and be free from their sin, or will they live in their sin and will they live in death? And many people every week make decisions at this church to follow Jesus and receive salvation, receive spiritual life. And then Romans 7, it talks about the struggle we have with sin. And it talks about before knowing Jesus, we, we do what we don't want to do and we don't do what we want to do. And, you know, we, we're, we're stuck in this struggle with sin. And then Romans 8 starts with this very powerful word. It starts with one word. The word is therefore. Say therefore. It means because, therefore, because. And so Romans 8 is all because we are found in Christ, because we know Jesus. Therefore, all of these promises of sonship, all of these promises of Romans 8 apply to us. There's a theme verse in Romans 8 that speaks of sonship. This is going to be our theme verse this morning, Romans 8, 15. We have a theme verse slide. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Before we hop in just to going through a portion of Romans 8, there's one more thing I want to say. In ancient times, men and women had more segmented roles in society. And so uh, men would, would work in their father's household, and then they would come of age and then they would receive an inheritance, okay? And that is the biblical thought of sonship. So just like when you look at the Bible, 
and you see this whole metaphor of the bride of Christ. Who's heard of that in the Bible before, the bride of Christ? A lot of us, right? Book of Revelation, Genesis, there's this whole paradigm all throughout the scriptures that we are the bride of Christ, that we're receiving love from God. And um, just like that word, the bride of Christ, the more feminine word, applies to all of us as believers, the word sonship, although a masculine metaphor, applies to all of us as believers because we all have an inheritance in Christ. Amen? All right, so this is a message for everybody this morning as we look at Romans chapter 8 and as we look at the ships of sonship, as we look at the ships of sonship. Pray with me as we open Romans 8. Father, right now I pray just that you'd open our hearts to receive your word in a fresh way. God, I'm praying that everyone here would leave with a specific word from you. God, something that they can take and apply in their lives. And God, we're just, we're just praying that you would work in this place and hover over us. Thank you for meeting us during worship. Thank you for the air conditioning this morning, God. Amen. All right, so the first 13 verses of Romans 8, they, they show us this first ship of sonship. So I'm going to read a long portion of scripture here. And the, the tech booth was waving in the back as I was praying for the air conditioning. You guys should have seen the little revival that was going on back there. Okay, the first 13 verses of Romans 8. Here we go, the first ship of sonship. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So he's going to go to contrast now this law versus life. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son and the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who did not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So he's talking about being being led by our flesh, being self-led versus being spirit-led. So Paul's setting up this contrast. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. Those who live according to the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Hopefully you're starting to see this contrast. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you're in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Jumping down to verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you are put to death, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led, say led, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So the first ship of sonship is leadership, is leadership. We are people who live under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, we are called to be led by the Spirit. Anybody out there want to be led by the Spirit in their lives? Romans 8, 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Just as we just described and talked through that whole section of Romans 8, hopefully you're starting to see Paul has shown us two different ways of living. He's shown us the self-led way of living, self-centered. It's based on the flesh. What that means, your, your good works, what you can perform, what you can do your own religious performance. And that's what the sinful nature is working in. And then he's talking about this other way of living, the spirit-led way of living. I like how Romans 8 is put in the message version. It says this, a new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, bringing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. It's that wind of the Spirit that's working in our lives. So let's just review some of this self-led 
versus spirit-led concept. Romans 8.1, therefore there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So self-leadership is full of condemnation. But the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Spirit leadership is full of freedom, right? Condemnation versus freedom. If you do sin, you still have freedom. You are not condemned. Romans 8, 3 through 4, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. So self-leadership is spiritually powerless. When you choose to be led by yourself, you, don't have, you have no power over sin. You, don't have, you have no authority over the enemy. You have no way to bring breakthrough to your own life. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. So when we're led by the Spirit, we have power because Jesus has condemned the power of sin in us. Tracking with me? Self-leadership versus spirit leadership. Spirit leadership has power. Romans 8, 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Self-leadership, when we're trying to govern ourselves and perform for God or just be a good person or just work our way out of a hole, we have no control over our minds. Maybe you've been in a struggle like that before with anxiety or a temptation or unforgiveness or there was just something you just kept looping on, right? You just could not get mental breakthrough. Anybody out there know what I'm talking about? But when we give the Holy Spirit leadership of our minds, then we start to have control because the Spirit is controlling us. I remember a specific struggle I was having. I had a memory that I was just really tormented by, of a sinful thing that happened in my past. I couldn't get out of it. And I, as I prayed, God told me to sing this one worship song, this one specific song, every single time that memory came up. Well, I did it, and it only lasted about two more days. <laughs> and that's because I was being led by the Spirit. Okay? Romans 8, 5, just did that one. Romans 8, 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Death versus life and peace. That one's pretty easy. Which one do you want? Okay. Romans 8, 7 through 8, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, is not to submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are of the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Self-leadership is hostile to God. When you are trying to lead yourself, it is prideful. And the Bible says that God opposes the proud. And so you, you can't please or even obey God if you want to. But when, we're chose, when we choose to be led by the Spirit, we're operating in the pleasure of our Heavenly Father. Yeah. Just put that, put that whole list up there for us, guys. And just look at that for a minute. Self-led versus spirit-led. You know, for many of us, the first ship of sonship, so we just need to fully surrender our lives over to the Holy Spirit and just walk with God every day. The Holy Spirit is that person, third person of the Trinity, the presence of God in the here and now. We just need to surrender our, our daily walk with God to the Holy Spirit, surrendering every step. You know, Galatians talk about keeping in step with the Spirit. You know, sometimes I've even put timers on my phone or I've worn watches or different things just to remind me to keep in step with the Spirit in my life, to surrender myself to the Spirit. Like the Message Bible said, a strong wind. The Holy Spirit is the wind at our back when we're obeying God. You ever been in a situation where you just felt the grace of God in your life and you accomplished way more than you ever should have, way beyond your own natural ability? That was the Holy Spirit. 
just blowing with his wind in your life, bringing breakthrough in that area. You know, there's a lot of ways that we can have self-leadership in our life. And I think of it as akin to like a boat or a ship. So there's rowboats, right? Where you can row yourself across the shore. Has anyone here ever been in a rowboat? I don't know about you, I got tired after a little while rowing that boat, right? That's not a limitless resource. Eventually, you're going to run out of energy. There's actually a, um, a girl on our staff that went out in a rowboat with like six friends and they almost drowned because the boat started sinking. So rowboats have limitations, okay? Self-leadership has limitations. It's however strong you are, that's as far as you'll go. You know, what about a motorboat? Jet ski, you know, gas-powered. Well, that's cool. You can buzz around for a little bit. But eventually, those things run out of gas, now, I've run out of gas on a jet ski in the middle of a lake. I can tell you it's not a very pleasant experience to be out there by yourself wondering if this is going to be a three-hour tour, okay? So, sure, yeah, there's other fuel we can get in life, but it's going to run out. The only resource for a boat, for a ship, that's not going to run out is wind. That represents the Holy Spirit. It's a limitless resource of God, our limitless supply, God blowing us in the right direction. And, you know, any sailor will tell you when you sail a sailboat, you're also at the mercy of the wind. <laughs> so when the wind's not blowing, you're not going. <laughs> you're hanging out. But that's part of living life in the Spirit, too. Sometimes you just have to be patient. Let God bring the breakthrough. You can take a nap. <sighs> that was a word for somebody here. A Father's Day nap. <laughs> that's the first ship of sonship, leadership. We want to be people that are led by the Spirit. And you know what? If you've never given your life to Jesus, that's your first step this morning. Holy Spirit, I want you to take total control of my heart, and I want to be led by God today. We'll give you an opportunity to do that at the end of the message. The next ship of sonship is ownership. Say ownership. Yeah, we see this in Romans eight fifteen through 17. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so you live in fear. That's our key verse again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Now, if we're his children, then we're his heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we are share in his sufferings, in order we may also share in his glory. The next ship of sonship is ownership. We have ownership of something in the kingdom, an inheritance from our heavenly father. This scripture calls us heirs. We have an inheritance. We have a promise that is coming our way. What is that inheritance? Well, for many of us, it's our identity in Christ. It's the promises that the Bible says about us. You know, I am accepted. I am secure. And I am provided for. Just these promises of the scripture, we, we declare those over ourselves. I've just been through a time of fasting, and one of the days of doing that, I felt like God was directing me to read some of those scriptural promises about my identity and inheritance in Christ over myself. And the specific promises I felt like God was highlighting were financial promises. You may not know this, the Bible has many promises concerning our finances, okay? Like you'll be the You'll be the lender and not the borrower. You'll be the head and not the tail. Or um, I've never seen the righteous go hungry or their children begging for bread. Or God will supply your every need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So I just felt like God was leading me to do that one morning. And as I was declaring my inheritance and the ownership of what I have in Christ, of every need being provided for, I went to our office. And uh, we have some, some guys on our staff, and they were missionaries, um, and uh, about two and a half years ago when they were overseas, they had some money stolen from them. It was a lot of money, about $10,000, and it was very challenging for them, and we've been trying for years to get it back, 
And just because of customs and other things, it was not happening. And it was an interesting, when I walked into the office that day, the phone rang and it was, it was a representative of that organization wanting them to pay them back every cent. Isn't that amazing? You know, they had an inheritance that was owed to them. Later that day, I got home and I opened my mail and uh, there was a letter from the IRS, which you like never want to see, right? So anyway, I opened it up and it was like Monopoly, tax error in your favor. I got money that was owed to me that I didn't know that I was getting. It was an inheritance, isn't that awesome? You know, I believe that's a word for somebody here, you know, declaring God's financial promises over your life. So that's one thing. Another thing are promises we get from God, like words that promises God speaks to you. you know, I did that another day last week. I just looked over, God, what are the promises you've spoken to me in the last seasons of my life? Which ones have been fulfilled? You know, which ones am I still believing for? I looked at a journal about 10 years ago when my wife and I were praying about moving here to San Diego and it was really cool because I had forgotten this, but the thing I had written down when we were, when we were praying that night was um, that I saw San Diego State being struck by lightning. And obviously that represents the power of God. I'm not hoping that San Diego State gets struck by lightning. Um, but now we're meeting on San Diego State. Isn't that cool? God fulfills our inheritance. He fulfills our promise. You know, why does he do that? Well, it says, in him we cry, Abba, Father. You know, Maybe you've never heard that phrase before. I, I remember um, in, in university, I was in a choir, and there was someone that had to leave the choir because they had some personal issues, and it was a Christian school. And so the choir director said, hey, is there anyone here that wants to pray for this individual? And so uh, someone in the tenor section, about, there was 100 people there, I didn't know him. He stood up, and he was like, oh, I'll pray for that, that young lady. He's like, great. And so he started praying, and this is, I was a freshman in college at this time, and he started praying, Abba, I pray that you would do this in this person's life, and Papa God, I pray that you would do this, and all this kind of stuff. And I was kind of thinking, Abba, isn't that a band? It just really threw me off. And I went home, and I had a roommate who was a little more Christian than me. And so I said, hey, man, what is this Abba, Papa God thing? He was like, oh, like, you know, it's like a, a term of affection. Like, the, the affection that God has for you, you're expressing it back to him. That's like, that's like saying daddy or papa. I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. Well, it's kind of funny because that guy was Jonathan Lair, who now pastors our church in Mexico. And that was my first impression of him, that he loved God and that God had given him a great inheritance. I grew up with someone that was an heir to a very large fortune. Uh, I, I was not an heir to a large fortune. He was, uh, but we were good friends. And it was really interesting to see how he approached life. You know, he approached relationships differently. He made decisions differently. He traveled differently. Uh, he, he, he carried himself in a different way. And it was because he knew that one day he would come of age and he would receive this inheritance. And I think that's very prophetic, how God wants us to live as believers. We are stewarding something so precious, the inheritance, the promises of God for our life. And God wants us to, that to affect the way we live. Isn't that right? Yeah. You might be familiar with the um, famous story about the Father Heart of God. We read it all the time here in this church. Luke chapter 15, about the prodigal son, right? This son, he squanders his father's inheritance, leaves the house. He's welcomed back. My son was dead, now he's alive, lost, now he's found. He's celebrated, and that's such a great part of the story. You know the part of the story that really haunts me? The other guy in the story, the other brother. You know, Luke 15, it starts out this, there was a man that had two sons. It's really a story about two sons. One who 
who didn't understand the love of his father, and so he left his father's house. But there's this other son that was in the father's house the whole time, and he never got the blessing that his heavenly father wanted to give him. He didn't even get a goat, he says. Um, you know, he's critical. He's comparing himself to his brother. He's, he's living this works-based, just complaining life. And I think it's really interesting. Uh, as, as his other brother is restored, you know the story. The father goes out to the older brother in the field. And he says, son, you know, come in, celebrate with us. He's entreating him. And, and, and he says this, son, you were always with me. And all that, all that is mine is yours. That's sonship. We are always with the father. And all that he has is ours. An inheritance isn't something you earn. It's something you received because of something that was done for you. That's how God wants us to live. He wants us to take ownership of the inheritance we have in Jesus Christ. So we have leadership, the ownership of the promises of God that God has spoken to our life. That's, that's the next step, I believe, for many of us here in this room, is, yeah, you're, you're trying to surrender your life to God, but you have not fully, really taken hold of the promises that God has given you and started grabbing hold of them and implementing them into your life. The ownership of the promises of God. Here's, here's another one, uh, and it's based out of John 20, verse 21. You know, Jesus, he, he takes his disciples, and he says, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus was sent by the Father, and he sent his disciples. That word sent in the Greek is the word apostelos. It's where we get the word apostle. And it, it, it means one sent on a mission. We are sent on a mission from our heavenly Father. Amen? So the next ship in our, in our ships of sonship is apostleship. We are sent on a mission from our heavenly Father. You know, the inheritance, the blessing that God has for us. He's blessing us so we can be a blessing. And so he sends us out to transform the world. This is all over Romans 8. Uh, we see it in Romans 8, 18 specifically. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. I lost some of the scripture there. In hope that the creation, I can't read it. It's like a weird angle. Okay, I'm coming over here now. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Amen. Okay, we got through it. So the enemy didn't want you to hear that one. Okay. When I say apostleship, I'm not talking about you being an apostle like Peter, James, or John. I'm saying we have been sent by God to transform the world. And, and the Bible says this, creation, like even the physical earth, the cosmos, is actually groaning under the power of sin. It's groaning under the pressure of sin. It's groaning. It's frustrated. Things are not working out. Things are not as they should be. And the universe is actually out there waiting for the men and women to step in the fullness of their inheritance as sons and daughters of God. The world is waiting to be transformed. It is frustrated. We see that when we look at the news, right? I mean, the world is just frustrated. There are problems so complex that there is no longer one answer. Our geopolitics, our finances, our, I mean, these, these things have gotten so complex. And, and you know, 
creation is waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be on mission and transform the world. This is what it says in Psalm 2.8. Jesus, you know, is, is interacting with the Father, and David writes it down. It says, ask of me, and I will give the nations of the earth as your inheritance. God's just wanting us to ask, hey, Father, will you put me on mission? Will you just blow me somewhere by your spirit? That's a dangerous prayer, but it'll be a great adventure. Yeah. You know, a ship, um, actually, in church history has been a prophetic symbol of the church for, for, for many generations. Uh, originally, church buildings, they were not wide like this. They were long, and they, they, they mirrored the uh, architecture of a ship, so they were called naves. That's where we get our word for navy. Um, so that's just one element of how the church and a ship have been related. And many, many old churches have ships, like in stained glass windows. Some of them have ships in the lobby as like a ship that the church prayed for and was brought to safe harbor. Um, so the church and has been described as a ship for, for many generations. And I was thinking about this as uh, my child had, had a trip to the Star of India. Everyone has seen the Star of India down there by the San Diego airport, that cool kind of Pirates of the Caribbean-y looking boat. Okay, so we got to go on there. And it, and it was really neat. You know, we got to see um, where the sailors would eat. And they sat at this big circular table and, um, you know, how they actually ate rat pie. And my son really liked that story. But anyway, so, um, so and we got to see the quarters that they slept in. They were all kind of squunched in together and kind of four or five people to a bunk. Very, very tight quarters. And um, the, the thing that really stuck me about being on a ship was that everyone had a job and everyone was going to the same destination. You tracking with me? And because everyone had a job and everyone had the same destination, it mattered how they treated each other because they were in very tight quarters. To me, this speaks a lot of the church. You know, we all have a job to do. We're going for the same thing, the transformation of our world. And it matters how we do life together because that affects how we're going to accomplish our mission. I don't know all the names of roles on a ship. I mean, I know captain and first mate. That's pretty much it. But I think there's a lot of ship roles, right? I kind of view it like a family business. Like our Father in Heaven has this amazing family business. And the mission of that business is transforming our world. And you know what? We all work in different departments of that business. Some of us work in the real estate department. Our job is to go find people amazing houses and bless them with kingdom, kingdom love and give them words from God. You know, some of us work in the medical department. There's a we have a friend here that's a labor and delivery nurse at this church, and she's, Ali Swain, maybe you know her, but she's been at so many births of so many families in this church. It's just so cool that, to, to, to see that happening. She's blessing people with her work in a kingdom way. You know, some of us are in the coffee department. Man, that's a department I'd like to work in. You can just make great coffee for people in the name of Jesus and give them kingdom coffee, okay? So some of us are in the technology department. We're writing amazing code and transforming the world that way. Whatever department God has called you to, we all have an apostleship. We have been sent on mission to transform the world. And when we, when we understand that we're all sent by the Father, it really takes care of comparison, doesn't it? We all have the same mission. God's just using our gifts in different ways. And here's the great thing about it. When you understand that, your worksmanship becomes sonship. Because you're working for your father. You're accepted. And here's the even better news. You can't lose. You know, Romans 8.31 says this, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Yeah, we can't lose because our father is for us and he's already made a way. 
You know, if you read in Romans 8 further, it talks about even how, how Jesus is at the throne of the Father, interceding for us, praying for us right now. I mean, if you don't feel like anybody's praying for you, I just want you to know Jesus is praying for you in heaven. The Holy Spirit is interceding, Romans 8 says, with sighs and utterances too deep for words. You have Jesus and the Holy Spirit on your side. I'm sure there's a few angels around too. You're in a good place. You can't lose. God is going to accomplish his purpose through your life. Amen? Great. So, so in leadership, right, we're being led by the Spirit, ownership. We're taking hold of the promises of God, apostleship. Some of us are now in that season where we're starting to realize, okay, God's really sent me on a mission. God, what's my part to play in your family business? How am I going to start transforming the world around me? And here's the last ship of sonship. You know, this one I think is, is really the Father's goal for all of our lives. It's fellowship. You know, Father God just, just wants intimate fellowship with us. That word fellowship, it, it just means to commune with, to, to be one. You know, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And Jesus modeled a way of living for us so we could be one for our heavenly Father. Yeah, just a little more of Romans 8 here, starting in verse 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? So trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It's kind of a bad day if all those happen to you. As it's written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. A really bad day. Then I like the next verse because it starts with this word. No, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, or nor heavenly rulers, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, anything else in all the creation, basically the whole cosmos, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's God's desire for us, unending fellowship, unending oneness, that we would feel his pleasure in our life. Not because of what we do, but because of who we are. So we're sons and daughters. It's a great adventure. This last week, I want to start end with a story about um, a person that experienced sonship in a powerful way. I, uh, I had a guy reach out to me, and he, he texted me and said, hey, can I meet with you tomorrow? And I said, sure. And so we, we started texting about it. And he shared, hey, actually, I have some grievances with you that I want to share. And I thought, okay, it's going to be one of those meetings. And so um, we've all had them, right, in the body of Christ, getting real. And so I kind of prayed about it, and I was ready to, you know, clean my heart and apologize for anything that I needed to. And as we got together and we started talking, he, he just began to share from his life. And he said, I just feel like there's this wall between us and, and me and this other person and me and this other person. And there's this wall between me and God. And he just started to share more of the struggles he was dealing with. And he'd been real offended by someone and had to, had to was truly trying to work it through. I mean, the enemy was just working overtime on his mind, keeping him from successful, victorious Christian living, from joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. And he was struggling. And as we started talking, he shared his heart. I thought, that's interesting. There wasn't really anything between us. I mean, I'd be happy to apologize if there was and try to make it right, but I'm not feeling that. I said, hey, um, is there anything else you want to tell me? He said, well, there's one thing my wife wanted me to tell you. I'm like, okay, here it is. So women always know, don't they? So um, he, <laughs> he, he said, hey, last night I had a dream. And uh, in this dream, uh, you walked up to me and you were going to hug me. And I was just doing this. I have a three-year-old that does this, you know, just kind of <laughs> folds his arms and gets real moody. And um, I was just doing that. But you came and you hugged me anyway. You grabbed me. And then kept grabbing me. And finally, I just broke. And I could just feel the love of God healing my heart. 
And as I shared that dream, I could just kind of feel the room, just kind of the presence of God coming into the room. I said, I think God wants to heal your heart of something right now. It's like, yeah, I know. And so you said, my friend, that there's a wall between you and God, between you and others. Why don't you just close your eyes right now? Just picture what's on that wall. What is that wall? You know, and as he did that, he felt like he saw the words on the wall, I'll never be hurt again. I said, wow, I think that would keep you from receiving love from God and others. It's like a vow. So I said, okay, well, are you willing to bring that to God? He's like, yeah. So he, he repented to the Lord for making that vow over his life. And then uh, we just, we started to pray. And as we started to pray, you could just see the wall fall down in his heart as the Holy Spirit just began to work on his life. He's been to cry, he's been to feel the Father's love as God was just healing his heart and he was experiencing the love of God in a fresh way. This is such a great Christian guy on mission with God, but he needed a breakthrough in his heart. He had a wall up. He needed to receive the Father's love. God wanted to restore fellowship. It's interesting how sometimes our fellowship with others affects our fellowship with God too. And you know, at the end of that time, I, he got up out of the couch, off the couch, and I just wrapped my arms around him, gave him a big hug. We fulfilled that dream. And God healed his heart. But yeah, I know that's what God's wanting to do this morning. So uh, we're going to move to a time of ministry now. Just in your chair right now, I just want you to close your eyes. and Just ask God. God, are there any walls between me and you? Any walls that are keeping me from experiencing your fellowship? as my heavenly father. Some of you are going to see a wall with something written on it. Some of you are just going to feel something. Others, you might be good. As everyone's responding, there's another group of people I want to highlight. These are people that need to give their life to God today. They need to fall under leadership, the first ship we talked about. You need to ask God to take leadership of your life. And if you want to give your life to God for the first time, you just say, I want to pray right now, pastor. I want you to pray with me. That, you would, that I would give my life to Jesus, that I would be saved from my sin. I want to invite you to repeat this prayer after me. You can do it right in your seat while everybody else is praying. You can just say this, Father, just pray right after me. Father, forgive me for my sin. Thank you that Jesus died on the cross for me. Thank you that he rose from the dead to show me the way to heaven. I repent of my sin and I invite your love into my heart. Send your Holy Spirit in me, making me a new person. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone else is still praying and listening to God. If you pray that prayer for the first time, will you just give me a wave? I just want to pray for you. Just raise your hand up. Roll. Thank you so much. Who else? Every week, people, thank you. Yeah, who else? Every week, people are giving their lives to Jesus here. Who else? Anybody else? just want to celebrate you. Thank you, God, for these people that are giving their lives to you, falling under your leadership. We can all just stand up now.